I, I want to be held accountable for what I'm doing. You know, this may sound like an, an exaggeration, but it was like the 9-11 of my career and certainly of making kombucha. Jesus is smart. This idea of income inequality, that always strikes me as a very, it's a deceptive term, income inequality. Well, let's flip it around. It comes from outcome inequality. In five, four, three, two. I got the loot, Steve. Hello, welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. My name is Sean P. McCarthy, and I am joined by all of my co-hosts today. Steve Jeffries. Andy Palmer. Yogi Poyle. And so this week we're doing an episode on uh, Daniel Schneider, the owner of the Washington Redskins, and uh, we are thrilled to be joined by our first returning guest, the host of the new podcast, Hold My Bread, Mr. Joel Wachowski is here today. Joel. Wow, wow, wow. It's really great to be here, and I did not know I had the honor, the very pristine <laughs> distinction of being the first return guest. I do have some exciting news to, to share with you guys. Since my last appearance on Hold My Bread... I am, in fact, a billionaire. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I made $1 billion, um, worked a lot of day rates, and uh, rented seven apartments, so I'm doing good. <laughs> Wait, when was your last appearance on your podcast? <laughs> on your podcast, Silly Goose. Oh, oh okay. You, you said your own name, dog. Oh, um, my last appearance on my <laughs> podcast was uh, Saturday. I had on an options trader and didn't understand a thing he was talking about. <laughs> nice. But I followed his advice. I made $150. So, hey, I'm pretty sure that's halfway there. (laughs) (laughs) And just for clarification, Joel is not the first guest we invited to come back. He is just the only one who's ever agreed to come back. Yeah, Yeah. they're going to feed me cashews and uh, give me a banana. It'll be all right. We'll have a good time with it. But, Joel, you are also a professional gambler, and uh, you make very entertaining uh, Instagram and other videos on uh, gambling on the NFL season. So that's why it's so interesting to talk to you about uh, Daniel Schneider, because, I mean, I guess it's, what, free money just saying the Redskins are going to lose? Absolutely. Um, My picks are terrible. If I were to follow that advice, I'd probably be ahead on the year. But I was attracted for Schneider because I feel like one of the big scandals waiting to happen is the secondary ticket market. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's controlled by bots. All the prices are are falsely yeah, inflated to three, four times. But I'm a diehard Detroit Lions fan, and they play in Washington in a few weeks. And I looked at tickets. Mm. Yeah, you know I expect like the eighty, ninety dollars, right. seven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that is the level of goodwill Daniel Snyder has wow. brought the Washington football team to. Seven dollars for to see some of the best in the world do their thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go down. I'm going to buy a whole section. It'll be great. Right. <laughs> the bot people just didn't think it was worth the money to turn their computer on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the bots are just programmed to avoid slurs, so they <laughs> haven't gotten the tickets. Like $7 tickets, $800 for parking, and uh, yeah, that'll get you in the Redskins Stadium. Yeah. Or FedEx Field, as it is called. Yeah, formerly RFK. You know, he did more to race him than Sirhan Sirhan. Oh. <laughs> Um, but I guess just to kind of start with some general information about Daniel Schneider, um, he bought the Washington Redskins. It's Schneider or Snyder? Is it Snyder? Snyder. It's Snyder. 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 It's hard Germanic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was, I was very surprised to find out he was Jewish with a name like Snyder. Like, mm-hmm. I, Snyder is like my f- my family name on my mom's side. Oh, like, really? Yeah. So you're related to yeah, Dan I'm related, <laughs> I am related to a billionaire, but he gave away, away all his money. <laughs> 
Dan Schneider, incidentally, is the Nickelodeon pedophile that raped right. a bunch of kids. That's yeah. what like I was trying to do research, and I was yeah. like getting into these eight chan threads. That's yeah. right. No, yes. this Daniel Snyder only raped the entire DMV metro area. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is like they were spelled the same like two hundred years ago, and then there was just some hungover Ellis Island clerk. Right. It was just like a uh, Snyder, S N Y. Um, but so according to Forbes magazine, Dan Schneider has uh, a 2.6 billion U.S. dollar net worth as of November 2019. Most of that comes from he started what was called Schneider Communications. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, he sold it to a French company in uh, two th- the year 2000 for about 2.1 billion. Damn. Interesting thing we've noticed with a lot of these kind of let's say tech adjacent billionaires is they all managed to dump their stock right before the tech boom fell out in 2000. So, good timing. It's because the companies would falter without their sterling leadership, of course. <laughs> it is, it, what, it, what, what can instill more honor into the meritocracy ID? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and uh, also, so in 1999, he buys the uh, Washington Redskins for about $750 million. Today, CBS News says they are the number seven uh, valued NFL team with a valuation of about $3.4 billion. So he's definitely increased the valuation of the team. Uh, the on-field performance, not so much uh, improved since 1999. And he's made it worse several times. And the, But this is just the case of like a rich person being able to fail upward. By being able to buy into this club, he's basically opening a faucet for money with an asset that will only appreciate in value so he can fail as hard as he possibly can, which he has. But there's no way for it to make an impression on his bottom line when he's being bailed out by television contracts and you know a lot of corporate deals i mean he actively loses hundreds of millions of dollars in six flags amusement park a few years after he buys the redskins team again mm. it's just because he doesn't know how to fucking sell amusement parks it's not that hard he just made it's the rights. redskins into bitcoin with a racist name <laughs> <laughs> he also so and we'll talk about the uh, the uh, six flag story a bit more but it seems like he used the same tactics with Six Flags that he did with the Redskins in terms of like, you know, gouging uh, the attendees and all that on parking and whatever else. It's just with the Redskins, you have a captive audience. You have fans who can't leave, so you can just gouge the shit out of them, and that's a smart business strategy. But what I did want to mention was he also brought a racist mascot into Six uh, Six Flags. Like, they hired some Chinese... Yeah, he's he's borrowing practices from the Washington Redskins. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he does. We're going to gouge parking. We're going to bring in... <laughs> so the, they had like this guy, this mascot, Mr. Mix, and it was like an old man that's like preparing Six Flags. Mr. Six. Mr. Six, that's yeah. what his name's. And then when Snyder came in, he's like, fuck this old guy. We're going to put a loud Asian dude, and it's going to be an ad campaign where it's like people, like, you know, a kid literally peeing himself, and this Asian guy peeing like, one flag. <laughs> Six flags, <laughs> one flag, one <laughs> And it's like the, the cringiest, you know, Japanese game show host Asian yelling at your <laughs> face for no reason. And it's it's terrible. Oh, is that where it came from? It's just like that game show fad, Japanese game show fad 10 I, years that's ago? That's like what it's emulating, because like even the way the, the like shot looks, it's just his face in the middle of the screen, like a giant stop sign. So, like, you know, it's very interesting because just a guy having an Asian accent yelling things 
isn't technically racist, but when it's done in this way. Six blacks, one black, one fun. And if you watch the commercial, you'll see the the shot is actually composed very similarly to the Redskins logo. <laughs> <laughs> He's only shot in profile against yeah, a burgundy backdrop. Right. Uh-huh. It is disturbing to say the least. <laughs> even more, even worse is uh, when Six Flags went bankrupt. Uh, he made the mascot disembowel himself with a katana. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hearty curry. And, and the biggest crime of all, the previous Six Flags commercials worked great. Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. love the Venga boys? <laughs> right. <laughs> we, who likes to party? We yeah. like to party. In the Those com- were fun commercials. In the comments on YouTube for the original commercials, people are like, yo, I love this commercial. Got me hyped to go to Six Flags. And you don't see people rave about commercials that often, but... You watch the YouTube comments on that bad boy. People love those shits. I just imagine that the guy who did it, like the actor, like just to get into character, he has to like picture the new apartment he's going to get from debasing <laughs> himself so much. I believe it was actually Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to a write-up in the Washington City paper, um, which Dan Schneider, uh, Schneider would sue. For, Snyder. Yeah, Snyder would sue the uh, Washington City paper for this and other allegations. Uh, so they said that um, uh, emulate Charlie Chan was what Asian actors trying out for the mascot oh job God. were allegedly told during 2008 auditions. Uh, Schneider fired uh, Mr. Six. The 2000 uh, Mr. Six was fired in 2006 because Schneider deemed him quote creepy. Uh, yes, they hired a Japanese actor to scream "More flags, more fun!" in a vaguely, vaguely Asian accent in TV commercials. Pay, uh, Mr. Six is uh, healthcare premiums. <laughs> Imagine yourself as the last samurai. The Chicago chapter of the Japanese American Citizen League, which publicized the Charlie Chan angle, was among the advocacy groups critical of the effort. The campaign was canceled shortly after its debut. Uh, so, yes. Well, that might be true. They made like 15 commercials. They're all still on YouTube. <laughs> and literally one of them is a kid peeing himself at a party and the guy going one flag. And some of them are even more innocuous. They're like um, a kid dancing and he's like two flags. Like dancing is two flags worth of fun. But rides, that's six flag fun right there. What what a hipster angle to take, Sean. We're going to start this wonderful podcast. You'll be like, no, nah, I've been into Dan Snyder since his first racist mascot <laughs> scandal. You're mad about the Redskins. What about his Six Flags? <laughs> but, I mean, it is like an example. Like, he really did take every single part of the business practice from the Redskins. That's right. And when did he become a part of the Six Flags ownership group? I think it's 04. Uh, 2005, yeah, I think. Okay, it's, so then he's only six years into his mm-hmm, Redskins right. ownership tenure, so mm-hmm. he's probably like viewed as like one of the better, more exciting owners in sports. He is, yeah, because the first few years he was just dumping money into veteran players that didn't work out. But from a you know fan's perspective, it was like, this this team could be great this year. We got this fucking great guy. They all be- ended up being lemons, and uh, he dismantled uh, the radio crew that was the Redskins crew for – a long time before rehiring the uh, the head coach that got them to a few playoffs a few years before, Joe Gibbs. That's and, right. and Joe Gibbs, he is like a kind of like famous person in Redskins history. We'll get into that a little bit later. But like he was like pretty vouched for in nineteen mm-hmm. in the, like around the Six Flags time. Like Bill Gates invested a lot in right. Six Flags, yeah. and they took that initial investment of a hundred and twelve million dollars and turned it into zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Like they, he he mismanaged Six Flags so flagrantly, it was given over to these their lenders. Yeah, that's right. So all these people, it's kind of like the plot of a movie. Like, hey, you you're now in charge of an amusement park. <laughs> it's we bought a zoo, but we bought it into a Six Flags. 
But just a couple other things from Forbes. Uh, this, like, is there a campaign like Six Flags, more fun, owned by banks? <laughs> <laughs> a couple other things uh, from Forbes before we start the uh, chronological biography. Um, I did want to mention, so as of the time we're recording this, the Redskins are one and eight, I believe. Yep. Uh, one and eight. Yeah, um, yeah they've had a, a abysmal season. It's rather hopeless. They fired their coach at 5 a.m. <laughs> and he proceeded to just go publicly play poker. And meanwhile, like the Redskins, like we're kind of talking about, about, about this, like, oh, it's a dearth of talent. Like they've had every exciting young yeah. coach pass through their building. They've not hired any of them. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur all worked for the Redskins within this decade. Kyle Shanahan was chased out of town. Right. And they've done nothing to capitalize on it. They've, they've had talent, but they've just been mismanaged. I mean, even RG3, uh, I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about this stuff? Do you want to do his bio first? Like with RG3, the, well, there's MRSA on the field, and that might have been part of the reason why his knees got fucked up. <laughs> they have one of the worst maintained fields, or at least did. Prior to, I don't know how it is, is this season. And you see that he's a guy who, like, he's not a business person buying into the Redskins. Right, right. He's someone who loves the Redskins. He, we, all he cares about in this world is bringing them back into prominence. And it's just that love of them, that micromanaging, that just kind of makes them <laughs> an embarrassment. RG3 gets MRSA, and he becomes the NFL's first purple quarterback. <laughs> 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 but what I wanted to mention was in 2019, uh, Forbes reported he bought a $192 million yacht. Mm -hmm. Lady S. The Lady S, which has its own IMAX theater. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where, again, it's the giant middle finger to all fans of this football team. Right. Like, you're stuck. You can't go anywhere. I'm going to run this thing into the ground, and uh, I'm going to buy a $200 million yacht. You guys know what's great when you're on the water? Watch an avatar in 3D. <laughs> it does have an IMAX, and they need, he had to buy the IMAX, and he had to spend $3 million just to have the IMAX <laughs> installed. And when asked about it, he's like, well, you can't have the sound spilling over into the cabins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a piece of shit. Um, I did notice I spent too much time on my phone today, and I did notice that there's a, there's a video of the, of the boat being mm -hmm. built at time-lapse and it uses the same stock music as Tulsi Gabbard's Twitter workout video <laughs> today. That's wonderful. Both are queens of the waves. That's true. That's true. See. Oh, he was a George Bush supporter. Oh, he what? Yeah, he voted for him. Right. Although he said he had issues with his foreign policy. He didn't like how he treated the economy either. <laughs> He was also a fundraiser for Jeb Bush, mm -hmm. which may or may not have something to do with uh, this audio drop we found. I don't think it should change it, but that's uh, again, I don't, I don't think politicians ought to be having any say about that. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't find it offensive. Native American tribes generally don't find it offensive. <laughs> we had a similar kind of flap uh, with FSU, if you recall, the Seminoles and. Um, the Seminole tribe itself kind of came to defense of the university and it subsided. It's just, it's a sport for crying out loud. <laughs> it's, it's a football team. I mean, it's it, Washington uh, has a huge fan base. I just, I don't, I'm missing something here, I guess. <laughs> He'll defend the name, but he won't use it. I know. <laughs> right. Why won't he say like, if, if it's such, if they, uh, if native Americans don't, mind like why not just say like oh yeah the redskins don't mind the, you know those people <laughs> with red skin <laughs> there is a disconnect yeah because he would never refer to them as redskins but also you know there's plenty of other, like the atlanta braves or 
Yeah, I Cleveland think. Indians. All right. Cleveland Indians, yeah. Yeah, but those aren't slurs, right. you know. Redskins yeah. is something your uncle would say after seven brandies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the audio we got for the Jeb Bush drop there was from the uh, TYT Sports, and they mentioned the same thing with the Seminoles. Apparently, the Seminole tribe gave them permission to use that name for their team in um, Florida, I believe. And so, there's no Redskins tribe because it's a slur. It's not a fucking term of a group of people. <laughs> and there are some Native American organizations that come to defense of the name, but those organizations are, in fact, funded by Snyder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the smokes. The spokesperson is a Redskins employee. <laughs> right, right. And they, pay, they foot the bill for him to make all these public appearances. Right, Yogi, you were saying they uh, set up some deal with uh, some various groups to support the name in exchange for merchandising rights. Yeah, so they had this, uh, uh, the, the drop we have is uh, people in a bar watch the Redskins game that supports Snyder. You know, I think it's really admirable what Dan Snyder is doing for the Navajo Nation. <laughs> <laughs> so D- Dan Snyder had the Navajo Nation president and his wife sit next to him at a game with Redskin hats on. And the reason Foolproof was... Foolproof PR. <laughs> right. This was in 2014. And the reason was, was Dan Snyder told the Navajo people that I will put Navajo-made merch on the Washington Redskins website and open the doors for you to make merch for every other team as well. And so the Navajo president is like, you know what, if you're going to make jobs with the NFL, I I, I guess I'll swallow my pride on this one. That shit never fucking happened. You can't buy Navajo Native American stuff from the the NFL. You know, maybe he set up like a sweatshop in the Navajo Nation, (laughs) forcing them to make hats. That'd be more expensive than Sri Lanka. And that's the thing is like, he doesn't follow through on that, but yeah. wouldn't that be some cool gear? Yeah, it'd be amazing. Like it'd if be I, great. If I was a Washington fan, I would be embarrassed to wear that material. If it was like actually made in lining the pockets of the indigenous people <laughs> we're besmirching with our moniker, <laughs> you know, maybe I feel better about having that RG3 jersey. Yeah. It'd be a great thing. But yeah, so I mean, he just fucking fleeces the people that he's next to. Oh, it's, and he's just a fucking snake. Snyder is a straight snake. And I wonder how he became this way, Sean. Was you finished with the fucking granola bar? Yeah, I th- Sean has the eating habits of a squirrel. He's been eating like <laughs> small amounts of nuts the entire time I've been here. <laughs> here, I'll, I'll stall. Six blacks, more blacks, more fun. <laughs> how many more times do you need me to play that, Sean? S- six. Six blacks, <laughs> more blacks, more fun. Uh, Six flags, more flags, more fun. Sorry, you looked like you were still in the process. Of that swallowing. does describe the NFL's refereeing conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, we should also just mention before we start the biography here. Um, part a big part of his wealth is he gave a um, he made about two hundred seven million dollars for uh, the naming rights of the stadium. They mm-hmm. call it FedEx Field, or FedEx, yeah, FedEx Field. And it's just interesting to me that like. I guess that a company like FedEx has no problem being associated with a, a name that is a racial slur. Well, if you look back at the history of when he bought the team for $800 million, he sold off 35%. A large chunk of that was to a FedEx executive. <laughs> <laughs> so when they, they're getting the money for the naming rights, a lot of that goes back to the... His own pocket. Yeah, yeah so it makes sense they're going to overpay. Just to double back around right there. But I also liked uh, the anecdote is that the Redskins sued season ticket holders who were unable to pay during the 2008-2009 recession. Hell yeah. (laughs) 
Was this the old ladies thing that he was suing? Yeah, he yeah. did sue a, an 89-year-old oh. woman oh. for oh. not paying her season tickets. <laughs> and they always had, like, they were so, when he bought the team, there was a long season ticket waiting right, list. Right, right. And he always said, like, yeah, we have 200,000 people on the season <laughs> ticket waiting list. And if that's a, a truth, you're not suing lapsed ticket right, members. Right, right, yeah. Right, and, um, uh, yeah, it is just something where he's uh, really, uh, let's say, parsimonious with his money. Uh, like, he's been sued by a, a nanny. Uh, he's been sued by a nanny. He's been sued by um, uh, Redskins uh, field employees for non-payment of wages. Well, we'll get into all of that. But yeah, um, but he hasn't been sued in a few years. He must be getting better, right, Sean? Yeah, he's just he's been hanging out on the yacht, so nobody <laughs> nobody has any place to serve the papers anymore. No, he has it written into his waters. Into all <laughs> contracts of employment, you're not allowed to sue Daniel Snyder anymore. Interesting. Well, for all like, like the, they force it all into arbitration. All uh, all of the employees at the stadium, like the ticketing. I think it's because of the ticketing staff. Right. Uh, they sued him for. Uh, Lost wages. Yeah, and he said be, there's like a, a archaic like amusement law that's like written for golf <laughs> caddies that he tried yeah, yeah. for like, <laughs> as an office worker. He used like a like a um, 1932 law about like uh, like traveling like amusement park staff or something. But he's not a lawyer. He's not like smart. He just fell into and, money. and these are like obviously office workers. Yeah, right. Like, so. and he is the archetype of an evil billionaire. Like, he's always walking around with a cigar in his mouth. Like, yeah, he paid for FedEx Field to have a cigar bar installed, even though there's a local rule right. saying you can't smoke indoors <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> even at a cigar bar. It is great. Like, I mean, once you own an NFL team, there's no way to lose money, right? Like, Dan Schneider is proof of this, right? He's failed up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be just because of the television contracts, they're going to be bigger every time. There's demand for it. Like, it's one of the f live entertainment is the b biggest commodity you can have. And he's got, you one, know, one, one of thirty second of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the pie is not that big. And even if you're the worst part, and you know what's crazy? The Redskins, as terrible as they are, there there are a handful of other teams that are just as bad, if not worse, maybe not mismanaged as bad, but uh, records-wise, they're not that good as well. We, they're worse teams than than Washington, but he's actively trying and <laughs> alienating an entire fan base. Right. Like, to, to the Lions are that bad, but they're owned by a 90-year-old woman. So it's <laughs> <laughs> Typically, uh, a losing record correlates with a loss of net worth for your team. Oh, really? So how much the team is worth goes down. But they're like, a, the, the Snyder is like an extreme outlier, hmm. basically. And like, I think you, you found a, um, a chart that plotted like cumulative wins. Yeah, if you look against at, the worth of the team. Yeah, if you there's a there was a great graphic put together by the Washington Post before this season. They're one of the few publications Snyder hasn't bought though. He's on record as saying, "If I could, I would." And they made this awesome graphic that had like a paragraph about what happened in that season, the win-loss record, and then at the bottom it put the value of the team. <laughs> and you know, it started he bought it for a lot of credit and now he's probably made like Four or five times his money. Hmm. He bought it for about eight hundred million. Eight hundred million. A lot of it borrowed. It's currently valued at about three point one billion. Three point four. Three point four billion. So almost so like four times over. It's grown four times in twenty years. Yeah, and 
I'm just kind of doing it in my head where he had, he owns 65% of it. So it's probably like... All right, yeah. So like his own return, uh, not accounting for debt, is probably like three times. It would be like so tight to be a billionaire and just have my legal team spend all their time looking up 1844 laws that allow <laughs> them to sue people who make signs about how I'm a dumbass. Well, they, they're not allowed to bring signs into the building right. because there's so many anti-Snyder signs. <laughs> you see, he's like, you see, because of the Kansas-Nebraska Act, yes. these people are actually my slaves still. <laughs> yeah. Could you, could you look into like 1902 and see if there's anything in there that'll allow me to not pay my workers? <laughs> I do like that he borrowed money to buy a sports team. It's like, well, wh- why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so they, uh, just to, to add on to the no signs thing, uh, how he's making money off both ends of this is, of course, he like adds a giant long pat down security procedure thing to check you for signs. Sure, of course. Uh, and then he charges you to bypass the giant pat down. Oh, wow. So you could just make money on both ends. After the September 11th attacks, he added a $4 security fee to every ticket <laughs> sold. He wouldn't even pay for to keep people safe out of his own pocket. Like any terrorist would want to bomb the fucking Redskin Stadium. They're going to bomb any stadium. It's going to be fucking the Patriots. Come on. Let's be honest here. Terrorism, America, Redskins. No. We already killed enough of those people. They bomb the <laughs> stadium and they accidentally make the field safer for the players. <laughs> blowing giant craters in it. If, if yeah, you said that and I just had to block out all my daydreams about a mass shooting at Lambeau Field. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but let's start the uh, loosely chronological biography of uh, Dan Snyder. Um, I, I want to read, this is an article from the Washingtonian in 2006. It's a real kiss-ass profile. Like, he got direct access, the the reporter did, and part of it was uh, Schneider made him say, you can't quote anyone anonymously, and I get to respond to all claims. Wow. So he only gets people who are willing to go on the record, who are all Schneider's friends, and are all like, yeah, this guy's great. He's self-made. He, and it, It's like half the article is about his charitable givings, which I should just mention, according to Forbes magazine, he is, uh, his giving as a percentage of net worth is 1%. So <laughs> very right. low. 29 uh, million total. Does it not even <laughs> a drop in the bucket? Uh, but yeah, and still his charitable giving is like half of this article. Um, but so what we know about uh, Dan Schneider is he's born in um, uh, Silver, uh, Silver Springs, Maryland in 1964. Uh, his birthday is November 23rd, I believe. So yeah. it's coming up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday. If you're listening, <laughs> send this to him for his birthday yeah. and pretend we were really nice to him. Hey, if, if, if it, the day after your birthday, I will be down for the Lions Redskins <laughs> game. So if you want to come, I will be sitting at the 50 yard line for $15. <laughs> so thank you. Jill's going to get thrown out by security. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, he grows up in a a community called White Oak, Maryland in the Oak Hill Apartments. Uh, he grows up with his parents and his older sister. Um, they say it's in this article, they say it's a working class neighborhood, but, um, when, uh, uh, Dan was 12 years old, his father, Gerald Snyder took a book assignment in England and the family moved to a small town near London where Dan enrolled in a private school. And it's just kind of an interesting thing where in this profile, uh, Dan says, you know, I grew up, we didn't have any money, we didn't have a television or whatever. You went to a fucking private school in England, in London. I think you did all right. 
I don't know. There weren't any TVs in Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, uh, Dan Snyder says, uh, quote, I wore a blazer and tie every day. They were very strict. I didn't turn in my homework one day, and the teacher caned me on the knuckles. I never forgot to do my homework after that. It made a big impression on me. You guys know how broke kids wear blazers every day, right? <laughs> you know how all these broke-ass kids play wearing blazers and ties. Yeah, you have teachers being paid enough to do corporal punishment. <laughs> <laughs> like it sounds like he's pretty well off. Yeah. If that happens in Chicago or Detroit public schools, sure. like yeah, fine. Right, but they're not wearing blazers every day. Uh, yeah, they're blazing every day. <laughs> what up? <laughs> it is true. Corporal punishment only occurs in both the best schools yeah. and the absolute That's worst right. schools. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. Because you either have too, too good of a life that you need to be knocked down. Where your life sucks so much that it needs to continue to get knocked down, so you got to climb your way back up. If your teacher is hitting you, you are either wearing a blazer or you haven't eaten in three <laughs> days. <laughs> um, but yeah, so after he spends two years at this private school, and then the Snyders move back to the United States. Uh, they live with um, uh, his father's mother, his grandmother, in Queens, New York. Um, and then they move back to Montgomery County. Um, and so Dan goes to Woodward High School. Uh, and uh, basically, they interview some uh, some friends. Uh, from most accounts, Snyder was not a standout student or a jock. He had buddies. Uh, who uh, he had a buddy, Dan, uh, Don Batson, who says Dan and I were new to the school. We were branded as newcomers. The clicks were set. He had been in England. They called him the English kid. Seventies <laughs> school nicknames were the best. Q, I can rant about. Uh, beating up the English kids in the yard. Mm. Did you beat? Were you a bully? What? Were you a bully? No, I wasn't. He's referencing a drop where someone says we haven't used that drop in a while. Oh, sorry, I've, I haven't been on the show since it's Joe, become a no. That's one. That's one. I dust off a classic, actually. <laughs> I'm telling you, these stories are funnier than, than the jokes you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Did you know that when they broadcast the NFL games in London, they actually refer to the Redskins as the Packies? <laughs> Fuck, <off Sean. laughs> Fuck you and your rat face. <laughs> um, but so after uh, high school, Schneider tries. Uh, Snyder tries college. He's uh, at Montgomery College. Sh- Shouts to Sean for doing days of research without learning someone's name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he, oh, he, he quits. The running theme on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. He w- he went to Woodward High School in Montgomery County, and then he just the wrong name entirely. <laughs> like, let me tell you about Dan Schneider. <laughs> His social security number is right. Like, uh, no, it's actually a legal liability. I say the wrong name on the podcast right. to yes. uh, yeah, immunize yeah. us. We're so big, Joe, that we have to <laughs> pretend to be bad. We're bulletproof be right now. We never, we never actually say their names. Yeah. No, <laughs> no one knows if we're talking about the Redskins owner or if we're talking about the Nickelodeon pedophile. And you know what? That's a great place to be. We found a Nassau County law from 1898. <laughs> it says if you don't actually pronounce someone's name correctly, you're not responsible for libel. Yeah. The, the fun thing about the uh, the state of the legal profession is you can just find them on the street and they'll like find all of the loopholes for about six bucks. <laughs> <laughs> the, the price of a, uh, admission to the game. Yeah. We, yeah, we are recording on a tennis court right now, so somehow we can't be held liable for slander. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one who can look up amusement laws, Dan. <laughs> 
Uh, so according to the Washingtonian, um, like we said, he tried college at Montgomery College and then at University of Maryland. And then, quote, it didn't engage him. What did engage him were ideas about starting a business. Rich kid problems. Uh, Snyder's first venture when he was 20 was a travel business aimed at college students. Working out of a bedroom in his parents' apartment, he sold trip packages and leased jets to fly kids to beaches for spring break. Typical lower three quintile <laughs> household behavior. You see, first you get a paper route. <laughs> That's how it starts. Yeah, you, you, know. sa- you save up a couple bucks, and then you flip that into a Learjet. Mm-hmm. And you flip um, that into NetJets. His story is like GT Dave and uh, mixed with um, NetJets in, the, in your parents' basement, and then all of a sudden you're just fucking renting jets out to people. The Spanx lady's husband. Yeah. yeah, he said because of this jet business, he was a millionaire by age 20. But like Steve was saying, it's like you but need startup capital to rent jets. People just don't let you do that. And also, well, apparently, he just walks into a bank and asks for money, and they give it to him. They just love his moxie so much. Yeah, he He's, uses English accent. Well, he has an English accent, and he's smoking a cigar. <laughs> so he seems all right. How many zeros did you want? Okay. Um, and so then he gets the idea after this jet business, flying kids out to spring break. He gets the idea of starting a magazine for the college crowd called Ooh. Campus USA. Um, he gets gold. <laughs> gold. What a title. <laughs> what a dork. That sounds like the f- fake anti propaganda magazine in like a high school movie from the 80s. What publication do you write for? <laughs> Campus USA. <laughs> the best magazine in the world, uh, focusing on the best planet right. in the country. Yeah, we're doing an article on the raddest frats. <laughs> <laughs> this is the plot of a Van like, Wilder movie. He has to turn in his article for <laughs> Campus USA. <laughs> uh, the banker's like, please be a friend for the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, you run and own Campus USA, you say? Let me call my manager over real yeah. quick. <laughs> no, it's cool. Uh, Harvey Weinstein's on the board. This is a Mossad operation. <laughs> for, for a guy who, like wasn't engaged by college. He started two businesses trying to have fun in college. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and so Campus USA, it's interesting where, uh, it's not directly stated, but I think it's pretty clear the money for these ventures comes from his dad, his mom, like, uh, just again, quoting from Washingtonian, uh, one of Jerry Schneider's, uh, his dad, uh, gifts to his son was not forcing him to follow a path through college to grad school. Instead, the father joined the magazine project as editor, columnist, and writer under an assumed name. As publisher, <laughs> the son sold ads and ran the business, which grew fast and needed capital. And then in the mid-'80s, they're looking around for capital, and uh, Dan Snyder uh, manages to meet Mort Zuckerman, a real estate magnate, magnate and the publisher of U.S. News & World Report, um, and he convinces him to give him a $3 million business loan, which uh, Campus USA promptly goes bankrupt, and he uh, <laughs> defaults on that loan. Um, a running theme in his life that yeah. begins at a young age. Yeah, so he says, you know, Mort Zuckerman was mad at him, but later he gave him uh, gave him stock in um, uh, Snyder Communications, which w- turned out to be worth uh, hundreds of millions or whatever the case was. Man, imagine someone giving you three million <laughs> and you losing it and them being mad at you, but not mad enough to do anything, but mm-hmm. to let you try and fail again. I mean, he cared. He cared about what this guy thought of him so much. Like. It's that he gave him the stock later. <laughs> It'd be like you're at a casino and you're gaming the system. They're beating you up in the back room. And then they're like, all right, well, double or nothing. If you can make it back and pay us back, we'll let you do it again. 
I, I can mean, I can imagine that guy who got screwed over. He's like, well, I am mad at you, but dot com stock that's only going up <laughs> here in 1998. <laughs> It is a running theme on this podcast. We probably said it ad nauseum, but you know, every entrepreneur, hustle, alpha leader, CEO guy talks about, you know, I failed a million times before I succeeded. Right. But it, you have to be at a comfortable position to where you can fail and not immediately be wiped out and forced into, you know, wage slavery and debt for the rest of your life. Sure. Um, so, you know, Snyder has his Campus USA fail. He defaults on a $3 million loan, and then right away he's able to launch his next business. The Friends and Family LLC strikes again. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, from the Washingtonian, the way the story goes is, uh, so yeah, he loses the $3 million. Within two years, Campus USA goes bankrupt. Then in 1989, um, uh, Snyder uh, started making a marketing company. The idea was to develop wallboard advertising and distribute product samples, such as soaps and packages of medicine, to colleges and doctors' offices. I thought I thought this was billboards when I first started reading it, but these are indoors, right? Right. Like the idea is, you have a cap- captive audience, people in doctors' waiting room, waiting rooms. Um, and you get a uh, free soap, penicillin, and I was just oxy. like, I was really struggling to figure out how he made money off this. Yeah, we're just going to distribute medicine on bulletin boards. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even picture. Were these like wall boards? Are they like a business thing? I'm 33 years old. I have no recollection <laughs> of ever seeing a wall board. I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't know what this is. Right. Um, I have seen like ads for various medicines in doctors' waiting rooms at various points in my life. I don't remember any of the names of them. Okay. But well, he- I guess they, I guess they sell that as ad space, and it's apparently somewhat lucrative. Well, the Washington City Paper, in their write-up of this, uh, he's, they use the word market segments, which is how Snyder viewed cancer patients and diabetics during his marketing days. Uh, he gives a, an interview to a PBS show called CEO Exchange in 2000. Snyder tells the host that his business depended on, on coming up with, quote, $5 million niches that he could sell goods and services to. Asked for examples, Snyder said, we were looking at trend lines. We saw that the aging baby boomer demographics were coming on strong. That meant there was going to be a lot more diabetic patients, a lot more cancer patients, etc. How do we capture those market segments? Supply and demand. Mm-hmm. That's what the man knew. All I want to say is representation matters. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some like diabetic hopping around. And they're like, oh, I'm glad I'm on that wall board. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, an ad for prosthetic feet. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. That'd be a good tagline. Snyder Communications, the last advertisement you're ever going to see. Yeah, we view uh, cancer patients as people. They've got checking accounts, don't they? <laughs> but so yeah, it keeps his Dan Snyder sucks sign like rolled up in his prosthetic. <laughs> <laughs> But so, again, like where the startup capital comes for this after he's just, you know, wiped out a $3 million loan, um, the Washingtonian says his sister used seven credit cards to raise $35,000. His father took a second mortgage on his property in England. But Uh, we just got done with the story about how he had a jet leasing business (laughs) at age 20. That was also on the credit card. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was if, if this was seven credit cards, then I shudder to think. Uh, how much consumer debt they went into to start, <laughs> start this. He, he spread his jet out, out over like eight different credit cards. 
<laughs> just calling up MasterCard <laughs> like, uh, so I'm trying to get a G6 on this thing. <laughs> Could you increase my limit a little bit? He just really understood the concept of airline miles. <laughs> <laughs> Seven credit cards. That's yeah. what she maxed out. We, we, we years as early nineties. Eighty nine, nineteen ninety. Man, fucking mooks back then. They you, gotta spin, shit. you gotta spin airline miles to make airline <laughs> miles. But it is something where you know uh, uh, we don't know the. That's the story we're, we're told. We don't know the exact story about how much money. But again, these stories about how he grew up poor just do not seem true to me at all. Um, Snyder says by 1990, he starts this business, Snyder Communications, 1989. Uh, he says by 1990, it was hot. It was doubling and doubling. We started to acquire companies that were doing product samplings in uh, different areas. When new mothers were sent home from the maternity ward, they were giving goodie bags of creams and diapers through Dan Snyder's company. And it is also just like you need various connections into the medical community to get this kind of stuff. Sure. Where hospitals are giving out your product. And you can't just show up to a hospital with a bunch of bags of cream. <laughs> 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 Give this to your right. new mothers. Yeah, one of those old wooden boxes <laughs> that he opens up. <laughs> $500,000 worth of product to upload. How much are you offering? <laughs> <laughs> opens up his jacket and it's just full of creams. Uh, so the Washingtonian, he asked, uh, the reporter asked, uh, Snyder when he first felt rich, he says, quote, in 1991, when I bought my first jet, that was a pretty rich feeling. He was 26 years old. So in just two years, this business has really taken off. Um, he, uh, he meets his wife in 93, uh, and it is kind of ominous here, the way the Washingtonian describes this. In 1992, Snyder expanded his company into telemarketing, aiming at the untapped immigrant market. His revenues rose from $2.7 million in 1991 to $4.1 million in 1992 and $9 million a year later. I still don't understand how he's buying a jet at these numbers. <laughs> this guy's the king of buying jets that don't make sense. Actually, might be able to explain some of the immigrant number things because, like, I remember when my parents, well, when I was born, I guess, my parents would call India and it would cost like $40 to do because of how expensive the phone lines were. So I hmm. bet at this time there was just an influx of immigrants that were calling back home a whole bunch because before then all they could do was write, write letters. So a phone call was so fucking amazing, you know? So you got to think that they're just charging immigrants an arm and a hmm. fucking leg to call. You know, everywhere from you know Mexico to India to every, you know wherever anyone was from. Oh, I thought he was targeting them. Like they had a meeting right. where he's like, "Oh wait, immigrants have dinner too. Let's call <laughs> them then." <laughs> he's like calling people in the Asian community, being like, "You know what is better than one flag? One flag, one flag, one Um, but so. And I say, you know, this uh, this Washingtonian article, the way they describe this, aiming telemarketing at the untapped immigrant market, that seems like a very, let's say, uh, whitewashing way of saying doing boiler room scams <laughs> to people who don't speak English yeah, and possibly yeah. do not have legal papers. Um, so the Redskins.com, the fan forum, actually put together a very detailed list, kind of like a timeline of... Ooh, I like there, this. There have been two. <laughs> there have been two. What are called uh, phone slamming, uh, yeah, slamming uh, violations cases. There have been two uh, slamming cases against Snyder's company, which is when uh, a telephone provider or any service provider signs you up for services that you didn't actually ask for or right. consent to. It's like when you download software and they give you like a 
McGaffrey tool bar you don't want. Right. So um, in California, uh, just from the the, the forum, uh, California fined uh, Quest uh, $38 million for thousands of slamming violations between 1999 and 2000, um, and Snyder Direct Services was named in the decision. So what was happening was Quest, uh, interestingly enough, Enron, Verizon, among mm-hmm. others, were all subcontracting out to Snyder Communications. Not Enron. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were all subcontracting out to Snyder Communications to, you know, sell their products. Sure. And then from, um, you know, in particular... The two cases are one in California from 1999 to 2000, another one in Florida from 1997 to 2000, where both uh, state attorney generals allege, quote, thousands of violations where they were just signing people up for shit without um, any consent or understanding of what they were signing up for. Um, like, and in particular in California, uh, the, they're slamming, quote, targeted customers indicating Spanish or Asian language as their preferred language, unquote. <laughs> so that is why his telemarketing to immigrant communities is a bit of an ominous sentence. I've actually got some um, audio from their uh, training sessions for the, the callers uh, for identifying uh, such potential customers. Six blacks! More blacks! More buns! <laughs> Um, but that's, that's when you start your pitch, when you hear that. But so just to kind of go through the, the timeline really quick, um, uh, Snyder Communications, and again, this is from the Redskins.com forum, uh, Snyder Communications uh, paid sales reps on a commission-only basis. Years later, employees selling AT&T service filed class action lawsuits for, quote, breach of contract and fraud, alleging they were denied commissions. Uh, 4,000 different sales agents for Snyder Communications joined this class action. Um, uh, and then uh, GTE was uh, the predecessor to Verizon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... Uh, their, quote, phone slamming operation was alleged to be a $200 million deal. In 97, Snyder Communications signed a three-year telemarketing agreement with Enron. Um, and the basic story of uh, the Florida case is that, um, according to a write-up in the Washington Post, uh, the Florida Attorney General alleged that Snyder Communications had hijacked customers on a grand scale after getting a 1997 uh, contract from the predecessor to Verizon. He says, quote, our investigation revealed thousands of instances in which the marketing agents representatives forged customers' signatures to switch them to GTE. That's the GTE is the company that's now Verizon uh, to switch them to GTE long distance, uh, said the Florida Attorney General Bob Butterworth in a written statement. Florida authorities also edge that allege that GTE employees at, quote, phone marts uh, small shops in the malls tricked customers into signing authorizations forms. They would be given a piece of paper that was supposedly a receipt for making a payment, but it was really an authorization to switch uh, to a more expensive phone plan. So, you know, he's uh, alleged to be his company to have been doing this for Quest, um, to have been doing this for the predecessor to Verizon, probably <laughs> considering he got a three-year contract in 97 with Enron, probably was doing similar kind of shady shit for Enron as well. Man, you know, I usually uh, don't believe in uh, prosecutorial misconduct. <laughs> Those people at Enron were railroaded. You mean Elizabeth Holmes' dad? Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, <clears throat> and you know, so this is like in Florida, settled with a $3 million dollar fine um but he actually got out just in time snyder did because in uh 2000 he sells snyder communications to a french company called havas h-a-v-a-s um apparently they buy it for i think we said earlier 2.1 billion or something in that neighborhood in the year 
2000. And um, just according to the Redskins form, they took a 1.3 billion uh, pound loss on this. Oh, wow. So it was something where he, uh, not only did they have to pay these fines, which were kind of small, but uh, they bought it right when the bottom fall, fell out of the tech market, which is partially how he was uh, you know, selling his uh, telemarketing company. But things get better for Dan Snyder because in 1999, as we mentioned here, he buys the Redskins. Yeah, like he sells this and he never has a job again, essentially. Right. He just becomes owner of the Redskins full time. So this like Wells Fargo style account (laughs) forgery (laughs) is how he really founded his house, basically. Right. Yeah, and it had to be a corporate directive. It's like it's fraud and deception at a pretty grand scale. So it had to be part of the pitch he laid out to these companies. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, 99, when he joined the team, according to this uh, Washington City paper piece that's really good on him, author John Feinstein said, when Snyder didn't like a defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan's play calling, he left a gallon of 31 flavors ice cream on his desk with a note, this is what I like, not vanilla. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently later, he sent even more ice cream, three five-gallon drums, this time with another note, I wasn't joking, I do not like vanilla. Like, this is this guy's business strategy. I don't like how the defense is playing. I know. I'm going to send ice cream to the defensive coordinator. I wonder if that was part of his Enron scam. <laughs> <laughs> like a Filipino family gets a gallon of ice cream. That could work. <laughs> um, and we should mention, in 1996, he IPO'd it. So he IPO'd it in 96. He sold it in 2000. And then since then, his main business has been the Redskins and increasing the, um, the market value of the Redskins. Somehow. Yes. <laughs> like, um, by the way, this is a tangent, but uh, going back to Six Flags, you know how they told the actor to sound like Charlie Chan? Right. Well, I'm looking at now the uh, list of people who played Charlie Chan. The first one is uh, Warner Oland. <laughs> he is a Swedish-American actor. A really Japanese name, Warren. Yeah. It's uh, then uh, Sidney Toller. It's just a list of people who taped their eyes. Uh, <laughs> Roland Winters. Hey, Peter if he keeps going Estima. long enough, I might be in some trouble. <laughs> um, so the Washingtonian has, they go through some of the ways he's been able to increase revenue since he took over uh, the Redskins in 1999. Uh, as we've mentioned here, he kind of comes in with uh, good terms. He fires the general manager when he comes in. Um, and I think they even go to the playoffs his first year there. But yeah, then he, it's he fires Char- Charlie Casserly, the team's general manager, for the last ten years, and they they'd gone to four Super Bowls, winning th- uh, three with Casserly's twenty-three year career as GM, and uh, Snyder replaced him with the NFL scout and kindergarten ninja actor Vinny Serrano. I just love that. You know that they're putting kindergarten ninja actor like just like a, this fucking idiot because he was an NFL scout, so he did have some NFL experience. Yeah, but, but. It, I, in everything I read, it was brought up in the first sentence about <laughs> Vinny Serrato. He's the kindergarten ninja oh, so for great. life. They had to give him a job after they passed him over for the Six Flag mascot role. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Washingtonian writes it up. He uh, sold uh, the naming um, rights we've mentioned for 27 years, $200 million to call the stadium FedEx Stadium. He added 10,000 seats to make it the largest uh, stadium in the NFL with 92,000 seats. And over the past few years, as interest has declined, he's very quietly removed those same seats. Oh, really? <laughs> I think uh, a lot of the seats they added were like at you know like the player level, like 
Right. Oh, yeah, yeah they were the, the $3,000 dream seats. Yeah. Well, like, generally referred, regarded as the worst seats in the house because yeah, you can't see anything. Yeah, they were seats right behind the Redskins like it's not, bench. It's not like a, if it was basketball or something. Yeah, you could really just see the players' ass. <laughs> You're just right behind their heads. It's really just a 50-yard field, and the rest of it is seats. <laughs> well, and he did, some, he did some thing where he sold standing room-only tickets for $25, but the way it was structured, those tickets would only be sold to lobbyists. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, because back in the day, like, Washington... <laughs> The Redskins were like the crown jewel of like DC uh, entertainment. So like all they were the team of Washington insiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there were even like training materials about how his ticket agents were to say, sell to lobbyists and use the legal terminology that wouldn't implicate them. Yeah, right. so this is a way to skirt laws against lobbying, like like gifts in exchange for influence and stuff. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So Daniel Snyder he combines the two great American pastimes pro sports and corporate fraud <laughs> that's right i'm just imagining their uh, their sales agent training manual they're like telling them how to be like hey you did a hell of a job on those uh, cluster bomb sales to saudi arabia <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sneak in a compliment if you can you know i just imagine the you know low-level congressman who's standing who's got standing room tickets and he's like all right this is worth paving over yellowstone <laughs> Well, well, yeah, get into it. Uh, and we, we could go back into this in more detail in a minute here. But the story of how he was able to clear cut his yard is basically, according to the Washington Post, in 2001, right, one of his reps met the director of the Parks Department under George W. Bush at Redskins at FedEx Stadium at a Redskins game and then put pressure on her subordinate to allow him to clear out his uh, yard without any environmental review. Right. Uh, and and he, he had protected lands with a view of the Potomac River. Right. So he wanted a better view of that river, so he cleared out every tree on a certain <laughs> parcel of property. Including, like, hundreds of years old, old-growth forest. Right. Right. Apparently, improving the view increased uh, the value of his property by millions. Of course it did. Because the house itself is worth, I think, like $50 million. It was made for some queen or some shit. I if it's the same location. But then to have a view of the river, I mean, you're just putting a mansion and then adding another mansion to it, which is the fucking view of the river. Well, plus, you know, included in that price is, you know, all the lobbying you put into clearing out <laughs> right, those trees. Right, right. <laughs> but he did have to pay a $100 fine for the clear cutting. <laughs> it so was such a fucking it. insult. <laughs> it kind of balanced out. Uh, w- didn't he, he promise the, the Parks Department Sorry, the forest, the the forest rangers that he would plant a bunch of saplings. Yes, for like local. Plants. Yeah, I'll believe that but motherfucker like, did that shit. Yeah, so it, so that, that will take you know three years to grow, <laughs> by, by which time they'll have sold. Yeah, he'll cut it down again. Yo, the yeah, we're cut it down for a hundred dollars. The, the Reinman said we're connected to Nazis and still haven't given that eleven million. They're going to say they're going to give. No way, Snyder planted any fucking trees. Not happening. Right, so yeah, get a Google satellite view of the property. Let's look for saplings. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to the Washington Post, it was uh, Fran P. Uh, Manella uh, was the Park Service director. According to the Washington Post, there was an internal um, Inspector General report at the Park Service in the aftermath of this. It was written in like 2004. Uh, the report says that uh, Manella was. Uh, asked to help Snyder after she was approached by someone at a Redskins game during the 2001-2002 season. Um, She was uh, appointed by President Bush in 2001. Um, And then uh, it goes on that she um, pressured... 
uh, her subordinate, um, uh, Daniel Smith, uh, and he in turn pressured lower-level officials to approve a deal that allowed Snyder to clear-cut 50,000 square feet of mature trees and replace them with saplings. Um, and interestingly enough, the uh, the report says that the subordinate Smith was, quote, unduly influenced uh, during the decision. Uh, oh, he in- unduly influenced the decision by inserting himself into the process through personal communications with Mr. Snyder, his representative, and uh, CNO Canal officials. The inspector general referred its findings to the U.S. Attorney's Office, which declined to prosecute, according to the report. Um, so, yes. He got special permission from the Parks Department to clear-cut 50,000 acres and increase the view and value of his property by millions of dollars. And like Joel said, he paid like $100 or something. Yeah, $100 Some total middle finger. DC was on, on actually on track to meet its carbon reduction until that happened. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, actually. Yeah. I made it up. But it sounds believable, right? It does, yeah. But so, um, and, and you know, we mentioned he adds the uh, he adds a bunch of luxury suites. Um, he adds uh, the uh, tailgate club for special access, uh, the touchdown club, uh, which you know he claims this two hundred thousand dollar waiting list for season tickets for an extra seven thousand five hundred dollars. You can jump to the front of the line for the season tickets. Um, and then there's a, a very good write up in Slate, which which kind of goes through um, all the different ways. He's been able to tack on fees. Uh, He says uh, there's another fee if you want to bypass the huge lines at FedEx Field on game day. Uh, These are created by, we mentioned earlier, Snyder's security searching everybody, uh, you know, to take their uh, own food or T-shirts that they're not allowed to bring in the stadium, uh, you know, and these things might... Uh, dub um, Snyder and you're his not allowed to bring your own t-shirts <laughs> I guess so well I guess you're not allowed to bring t-shirts that uh, dub Snyder and his ex-personnel man uh, Vinny Carrado as dumb and dumber which is a pop- <laughs> <laughs> which is a popular thing among uh, Washington Redskins fans well, even like when he first bought the team, he bought him from Jack Kent Cook, and one of the provisions of the rule was he promised he wouldn't change the name of the stadium right. from Jack Kent Cook Stadium, and he changed it immediately. It was the first <laughs> order of business. For $5,000, you can bring a gun. For 6000 <laughs> you can open up on the poor fans. <laughs> And he even like makes money from the media. Like if you aren't, if you don't pay the Redskins for the right to cover the team, right. you'll have to file your reports from a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the re- last year, the Redskins beat re- reporter had to like report from like <laughs> outside her car because she didn't pay the fee. Oh, that's so fucking. God. Yeah, like the the beloved you know local reporters got screwed like that, and the announcer. Like what, didn't they have like a long time announcer of Redskins? Yeah, he. They yeah, that mentioned um, that. Yeah, the radio yeah. crew. Um, they fired. You know, actually, I got. They had that. like all of his, uh, all of the the catchphrases. Uh, yeah, the re- replaced by just like Snyder. Propaganda. I have it right here. Yeah, because he owns the Redskins broadcast <laughs> network, and he has their his own arm that covers the team. And if you're gonna cover them like fair and balanced, you're gonna have to pay a price for it. I forget. Uh, somebody, or I guess it's a common thing to dub his media properties Dan Jazeera. Because <laughs> it's like propaganda <laughs> yes. for him. They're, well, one of the radios, like uh, their radio stations in like 2008 um, was like so horrendously slanted towards Snyder 
and and just the red like papering over the Redskins losses. Yeah, it was that they they started up Dan Jazeera <laughs> for all of his media empire around the Redskins. It was yeah, there's the, a, does that mean like that the military accidentally shot a missile into yeah, quote accidentally <laughs> shot a missile into them? Yeah, it was a, a drone target. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Join well, it. he made this like he made this service where you pay for a behind the scenes look of on at the team where you should get videos of the players training, mm-hmm. and it caused a controversy because all the players would just eat fast food on <laughs> camera. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, rather than be like, "Oh, it's fine," the Redskins paid someone to, to determine that Kudoba wasn't fast food. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, they're doing this thing where they get access and they get in trouble with the NFL players' union for doing unauthorized contract drills right, and right. they asked the NFLPA like how did you find out about this breach and like actually they just posted it on their website <laughs> <laughs> um, and we should mention the skipping the line thing he tried to do a similar thing when he bought six flags charge you $112 per person per day to uh, skip the line and jump right to your favorite roller coaster one thing um, he didn't do at six flags though is he didn't sell uh, fans at FedEx field uh, expired airplane peanuts <laughs> Uh, he would sell five ounce royal blue and white bags adorned with the Independence Air logo and it gone under a year before so these were a year old airplane tickets that Snyder's selling to the fucking fans of the Redskins I saw that and I was like he seems cheap but do peanuts go bad really like you you wouldn't be dissatisfied you wouldn't know unless you read the bag why are you reading the ingredients on what you're eating the Washington City paper investigated this and they quote a a spokesman for the peanuts Peanut Council <laughs> told the city Just paper. Just say Jimmy Carter. <laughs> uh, he told the the city paper that to prevent uh, rancidity, the recommended uh, recommended shelf life of a foil bag of pe- of sh- out of shell peanuts was quote about three months. <laughs> so this is an airline that peanuts went under go a year. Rancid? I guess so. Yeah, they go bad. Yeah, they get mold and shit. Food that. It's from the earth goes bad. Man, I'm at odds with the sage words of the peanut council. (laughs) (laughs) Make that last for a year. The peanut council is in the pocket of the Dallas Cowboys. Bad mouthing (laughs) Dan Snyder. I want to mention that one thing uh, Stephen mentioned earlier. Uh, this was the beloved former play-by-play announcer Herzog mm-hmm. got fired. His signature call was Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah, right. No, it was uh, it was uh, Frank Herzog. His signature call was touchdown Washington Redskins. Touchdown Washington Redskins. <laughs> now I truly observe the was, horror of this season. <laughs> he was replaced by uh, Larry Michael, whose saying was brought to you by Subway. If you love bacon, come into Subway, eat fresh. Uh, yeah, Snyder. Every opportunity to just saw off parts of the franchise and, <laughs> and, and sell them. Well, he sold some great things at Six Flags. He, I, we mentioned this off mic, but he, I just wanted the pod to know that he at Six Flags he sold a twelve hundred dollar mattress. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And he also didn't reopen the New Orleans location after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. You know, because people who've dealt with hurricanes don't love... You'd already sold off Which four is of weird. the flags. It's weird, because <laughs> there you could sell the mattress as a flotation device. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say that they sold the mattresses in the park? In the park. You could yeah, buy a mattress. Yeah, for a while. Like the, you know, you're like, oh, well, the, the rides are, you know, kind of affordable. But then they really get you with the mattress. <laughs> yeah, your kid's bugging you for a mattress. <laughs> 
Well, they, they cut back on ride maintenance, so they're like, hey, you're going to need one of these if you get flung out of the roller coaster. <laughs> I can imagine them just piled up next to the roller coaster. <laughs> Did we mention the Pentagon flag hat? No, not yet, yeah. Uh, so why does no- it say, uh, why is there a Swedish word that's crossed out in Sharpie and then it says <laughs> six flags? Yeah, it's a Japanese word. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the Washington City paper, the Pentagon flag hat was a Redskins cap sold for profit by Snyder to, quote, commemorate September 11th in time for the fifth anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Ads boasted that the 2399 caps... Did they make the Redskins mascot have a single tear? <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, uh, black Redskins hats with a uh, red, white, and blue Pentagon sewn on the side. Why is it going to be black, Sean? They were expected to, quote, be worn by Redskins coaches. No other NFL team put out 9-11 commemorative products <laughs> for sale during the 2006 season for profit or otherwise. Uh, and, yeah, as we mentioned, he added the $4, quote, security surcharge to the ticket prices after 9-11. If I ever become a weird old collector guy, the thing I'm definitely going to collect is 9-11 memorabilia. <laughs> after, I mean, fans complained they eventually got rid of the $10 9-11 truth surcharge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Seahawks couldn't play there for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. In uh, 2005, he was inducted into the Greater Washington Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, the reason for this was because under his ownership uh, for the fourth consecutive year in 2004... Greater than what? The Washington Redskins set an all-time NFL regular season home paid attendance record with a total of 667,000 persons for eight games he sold a lot of tickets that's why he's in the jewish sports hall of fame you know for an extra uh, six dollars snyder will sell you the pentagon cap with a cruise missile sewn onto it <laughs> <laughs> flying towards the pentagon uh oh, and we should mention and then i guess we'll talk about six flags for a little bit he was sued by his nanny a write-up in the new york times says that um a nanny uh said that dan snyder had underpaid her she won forty four thousand dollars in unpaid overtime uh she says that in 2004 snyder told her quote i pay you more than my redskins park people i can't afford to pay you like this and this is of course the person who raised his three children and the one well, of the most offensive things about Daniel Snyder is how deeply lame he is. Like yeah. you get to this and like, oh, he's got a lawsuit with his nanny. This will be salacious. <laughs> like, oh, it's just he doesn't want to pay for labor <laughs> again. Yeah, I mean, we did like a full Epstein sweep on this guy. Nothing. He the just other, loves um, football. It, so <laughs> I imagine by the time you're a billionaire, if you have sex with the nanny and she goes public, she's dead. <laughs> Well, in terms of Epstein thing, the only thing I found was uh, Harvey Weinstein was he appointed Harvey Weinstein to be on the board of directors of Six Flags after he bought it, which is a little weird. Um, But also there's a Deadspin article um, that's actually a write up of a New York Times article about how Washington Redskins cheerleaders were asked to be, quote, escorts for various investors. Yeah. So they went to Costa Rica in 2013 and it was for a calendar photo shoot. And when they got there, they immediately took away the cheerleaders' passports. <laughs> Jesus they Christ. made them take photos topless in front of investors and partners of the Redskins. And then later they, on... They came from the Gislaine Maxwell School of <laughs> Cheerleader <laughs> Management. And then later on, they were told that certain p- investors chose them to be personal escorts at nightclubs later on in that evening. And not like, hey, let's go dancing, like dark, dungy rooms. And apparently when that happened, uh, the cheerleaders, a few of them, started crying. Yes. You know, because when you're being sex trafficked, you cry every now and then, if you know what I mean. 
Right, just the write-up in uh, New York Times. One evening at the end of a 14-hour day that included posing and dance practice, the squad's director told nine of the 36 cheerleaders that their work was not done. They had a special assignment for the night. Some of the male sponsors had picked them to be personal escorts at a nice nightclub. So, quote, so get back to your room and get ready, the director told them. Several of them began to cry. Oh my God, Sean! Yeah. Why are you hard? <laughs> and honestly, given the NFL, this is almost pretty good treatment of cheerleaders. <laughs> seriously, yeah, seriously. Like sex trafficked. I mean, it, you know, that's top third. <laughs> Uh, just quoting from that same article again, five cheerleaders characterized a 2012 team bonding party as a wild gathering where men shot liquor into the cheerleaders' mouths with turkey basters uh, below the deck. I guess this was on a yacht. Below Which yacht? <laughs> uh, below the deck. Yeah. Below the deck, men handed out cash prizes in turkey twerking contests. No cheerleaders came that claimed that they were touched inappropriately, um, but it was kind of... Uh, I'd been given a, one cheerleader said, quote, I'd been given a heads up that we were going on this particular man's yacht and that he had a lot of money and that you could make a lot of money there if you want it. Um, but that was not for me. And lots of us felt the same way, but we were too scared to complain. We felt that our place on the team would be compromised if we did, unquote. So, you know. Still, though, like, I feel like if you're, it's almost like being a billionaire is like virtually pointless in terms of enjoying like you could never enjoy a billion dollars if you even if you actively tried to and so if you're not caught up in like the epstein stuff like what are you even doing with your life (laughs) yeah you're just treating your cheerleaders so poorly they get caught up in the epstein (laughs) stuff like you need to be like directly you're, you're you're nothing basically if you're if you're a billionaire you're not directly involved in that Yeah, he just wants to get ahead in every business transaction, whether it's dealing with the immigrant families, dealing with Six Flags investors, dealing with his cheerleaders, players, coaches, general managers. He just wants to have one up. Like he hired a coach once. He didn't want to. He wanted to fire the coach, Jim Zorn. And rather than firing him, he'd have to pay out the contract. So he spent a year trying to humiliate him out of his job. (laughs) Just like half the Redskins budget is like ice cream to leave in this guy's locker. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. He's like a boring billionaire. He has a $200 million yacht and he probably parks it in London instead of the United Arab Emirates where all the Epstein billionaires go. I think he keeps the yacht in Maryland, actually, which is like you you think it would be impossible for oceanfront property not to be beautiful. Sure. Maryland says otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so just to go through this Slate article from 2010 about uh, Six Flags. Uh, so he gained control of Six Flags by leading a stockholder coup in uh, 2005. Um, he uh, added big names to the uh, board, like Jack Kemp and Harvey Weinstein, to the board of uh, directors. At the time, Six Flags stock in 2005 sold for 11.93 a share in 2005. By 2010, it was trading at 1.7 cents per <laughs> share. Uh, we mentioned Bill Gates lost a bunch of money on this. As of, the dip. as of others, um, as did others, uh, uh, qu- quoting from Slate, Snyder inflated the parking rates at Six Flags lots all over the country. The inflation was a boon to owners of retail and storage businesses near Six Flags in New England, uh, which began offering parking spots for ten dollars. Uh, in 2007, <laughs> Snyder sent uh, Shapiro, his handpicked CEO, to lobby the uh, mayor of a Massachusetts ca- town called 
Agawam, A G A W A M, the mayor. Agwam. Yeah, Agwam. <laughs> so you gotta say it with the word. New England. Agwam. Uh, he sent the uh, his CEO to lobby the Agwam mayor and the town council into banning visitors from parking at the non-Six Flags owned lots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shapiro testified at a public hearing that it was unsafe for pedestrians to walk from six to Six Flags from anywhere but its own lots. <laughs> uh, the local politicians banned these satellite lots. Um, but then... Um, Try to keep that confined to the cut-rate roller coasters. But So then a uh, local business owner informed the city council that Snyder had concocted an identical phony argument to prevent per- pedestrian traffic to FedEx Field. Uh, the stadium. <laughs> it's unsafe. Right. So he was jacking up the uh, uh, Redskins football ticket prices for parking, and then he was making the argument, and he actually lobbied local government to ban people from parking anywhere else because it would be unsafe to walk to the stadium. Um, but that stadium ban was tossed out in 2004 um, uh, when the uh, invented. Yes, a judge in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, ruled that the Redskins management had invented the safety issue to force ticket holders to pay Snyder's top in the league parking fees. Picturing him on Roller Coaster Tycoon, like naming one of the people after that judge and then putting him into one of the overpowered roller coasters that blows up. I'm picturing him on Roller Coaster Tycoon just designing the parking lots. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only way I can make sense of his building his Six Flags Empire. Yeah, and he's made all this money, and really his business model is to just inflate parking prices. <laughs> he's like hiring private coders to make a patch where you can bribe the mayor. <laughs> and so um, I guess to kind of wind down here, he has a private equity firm called Red Zone, right. which we've talked about how shitty private equity is. So he was sued when, when Six Flags went down the tube. Uh, one of his other investors sued her, sued him, and he pre- presented the argument that as the thing was going down the tubes, he started using Six Flags to market his other properties. Uh, Joel mentioned the $1,200 mattresses and stuff. Um, but another one, uh, again, quoting from Slate, uh, <laughs> Red Zone, Red Zone, a private investment firm. Someone's sleeping on a Six Flags mattress right now. (laughs) Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, some of them have to still be in circulation. If if you're listening, go home, check your mattress tag. And if it is from Six Flags, please reach out to the pod. I think we'd love to find out about that. Maybe we find them on eBay. This is probably still flood water from Katrina in those things. <laughs> Absolutely. How much do you think it is for shipping on an eBay mattress? <laughs> uh, so uh, from the write-up in Slate, uh, Red Zone, which is, of course, uh, Snyder's private equity firm, uh, they had two major deals with Six Flags. Uh, one was a promotional and franchising pact with the Snyder-owned Johnny Rockets that gave his eateries prime exposure in the parks, plus 5% of everything sold at the Six Flags-based burger joints. The other was the $175 million purchase of Dick Clark Productions in, uh, by Red Zone in 2007. Um, and then that's $175 million. Their only two, uh, their most well-known TV hits are So You Think You Can Dance and Dick Clark's Rocking New Year's Eve. So this yeah. is probably an overvaluation that he uh, funneled through Six Flags. Wait, when did he get Johnny Rockets? Uh, in the fifties, <laughs> <laughs> when they were the best hamburger chain in the state in the world, he didn't change a thing. 
It was like the only business not complaining about the Redskins name, so he bought them. <laughs> that is like the Dick Clark thing just goes with his previous like business model of just trying to wrongly appeal, appear cool to teenagers. <laughs> but so according to Slate, uh, Red Zone buys Dick Clark Productions, uh, overpays in 2007. Then in uh, it turns around and sells a 40% stake in Dick Clark Productions to Six Flags. So he is the owner of this public company and is also using it to subsidize his various... Self-dealing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when negotiating terms for this uh, Red Zone to Six Flags deal, Snyder went toe-to-toe Wait, so with himself. so he sold Dick Clark Productions to Six Flags. Like, yes. Were they trying to get, like, Dick Clark-themed rides? <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun to dr- ride in, like, a ball drop ride. That would be pretty <laughs> sick. Yeah, right, right, right. Slowly Strap yourself ascending. to a giant crystal and then slowly descend. <laughs> nice. Um, and yeah, so uh, the the guy who sued him said, "quote If you walk into Six Flags Great Adventure now, you will walk right into a Johnny Rockets." So he managed to run a public company to the ground while also primarily using it to um, uh, soak revenue into his other private investments made through you know, his the private old equity malt firm. Shop when you would just go in, play some tunes, buy a mattress, <laughs> <laughs> hamburgers, mattresses. Welcome to Six Flags. <laughs> I did want to mention, uh, according to the Washington City paper write-up, and we haven't said this yet, he got he sued the guy who wrote this, and they had a little um, drawing of him with the devil horns. Right, right, he sued right, him. Yeah. He said it was an anti-Semitic carica- caricature. Which I don't get, because they don't believe in hell. So <laughs> how can that be anti-Semitic, well, to call a Jewish person the if devil? You, if you look it up, it's just like the usual devil scribble over any face. Right, yeah, right. It was the least insulting devil horns you'll ever <laughs> see. There, there are kinder truck stop bathroom <laughs> walls <laughs> um but so the this washington city paper write-up says that andy man was the fake name widely believed to be used by top redskins officials to post anti-media rats on, rants on fan <laughs> message boards in 2005 washington city paper reported that carl swanson snyder's longtime pr chief had registered on sportsjournalist.com a web a website where andy man often sniped at the washington post uh, Andy Man, which could be Pig Latin. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was Redskins executives. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not twenty-year-old Andy Palmer. <laughs> uh, Andy Man, which could be Pig Latin for Danny M. Snyder's first mi- name and middle initial, all but disappeared after the report. <laughs> <laughs> he created the burner account. Yeah. Isn't that great? He deserves his billions straight. just for that. Yeah, right, right. We've had other billionaires that kind of get into this. Uh, Being petty is a billionaire trick. Well, uh, specifically though. But yeah, I am having a secret account on the employee forum. And uh, just to go through one last labor story we mentioned earlier uh, from the Washington City paper in 2008, Snyder faced a lawsuit from a group of FedEx field ticket office employees who weren't being paid for extra hours. The team argued that the Redskins ticket office wasn't covered by standard overtime laws, citing a 1932 exemption for, quote, amusement (laughs) and recreation employees in the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act. What a piece of shit. (laughs) So great. This is like the fucking FDR laws, which are the first laws on the book, which said, you know, retail workers didn't have to be paid minimum wage and they just got some lawyers to dig through this shit to bilk their employees (laughs) on overtime uh the um yeah so the exemption was meant to cover lifeguards and greenskeepers not office employees (laughs) uh snyder settled the suit earlier in 2010 um 
But, you know, I mean, that just kind of gives you an overview of this guy who, you know, got rich on kind of a shady media company that was involved in um, some uh, slammer scams where they were charging people for services they didn't want, probably doing some shady boiler room shit. I mean, that's just what we know is the two lawsuits in uh, California and Florida. I'm Mm -hmm. sure there was tons of other shit that they just got away with. And we've gone through the annals of his entire career, and we haven't seen him do one thing well. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's just been mediocre the entire time, and his net worth has doubled every five right, years. Right. Well, it's like, I mean, it's it's kind of the Warren Buffett strategy, where you become a monopolist, where, like, Warren Buffett owns a stake in all four major American airlines. So if you fly in the United States, you know it sucks shit, but no matter how much it sucks, Warren Buffett makes money if you fly. So it's the exact same thing with Dan Snyder and the Redskins. You want to be a Washington football fan, well, you know, that's the only one. That's the game in town, and you don't got a choice. As long as Dan Snyder owns it, he's going to gouge you and run the team into the fucking ground. And he loves the team. He's ruining the very thing that's been his lifelong object <laughs> of right. affection. So right. it's like a billionaire, but like you kind of feel a little bad for him. Because at the end of the day, he wants to do a good job with this enterprise, but he uses these same business practices to how he treats his football team, and you see that his manufactured a terrible culture that pervades any chance of success. It is. It, yeah. it also seems like his, his biggest strength is just asking for money. <laughs> like I imagine if you get loaned enough money, eventually you can't fail. It's right. like the old adage, like, mm-hmm. you know, I owe a thousand dollars. That's, I have a problem. I owe a billion dollars. You have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like you just borrow enough money. And then suddenly the people who you bought it from will start working for it. Or you borrowed it from will start working for you. It is kind of great, though. If you become a billionaire, you can just play Madden in real life. Yeah, <laughs> just exactly. do roster creation mode. And he plays it exactly like I do, where you like fuck up, make a bunch of acquisitions, and then get bored and turn it off. <laughs> but the season just keeps going. Right, right. It and works the on the fans background. are yeah. mad at you. <laughs> yeah, it's early November. He's turned off the machine. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Joe mentioned, though, he was the ultimate fan as a kid. And yeah. he, he and his dad loved watching the Redskins games and uh, incidentally you know in 2001 we didn't mention this yet well back when he was a kid that was that was that's now called genocide (laughs) (laughs) in uh, in 2001 he had thyroid cancer which he beats and then in 2003 his dad dies Mm -hmm. and then in 2005 his favorite player Sean Taylor dies and then in 2008 his wife gets breast cancer it's almost like this guy that owns a team that's a Native American slur <laughs> keeps having people dying and slowly <laughs> dying around them his team is on a Native American burial that's ground right, exactly it's like a poltergeist situation yeah but um so would you call that just- stream of uh, good coaches he let go a trail of tears <laughs> <laughs> so back to his coaching and up to who toot in the death of his favorite player there was a coach greg williams he was you know he found some scandal later on but he was a candidate for the redskins head coaching job oh yeah and they said he couldn't take the job because of a missing man formation that they did which was, of course, them lining up with 10 players as a tribute to the fallen <laughs> Sean Taylor. They used this guy's like, tribute to like right. a, a fallen co-worker brother yeah. as a reason not to hire him. Piece of shit. And like, apparently the like, coaches that came out during that period, uh, Snyder would be like, let's get this quarter, let's draft this quarterback instead yeah, of that person. And so one of the coaches, I think it was um, Schottenheimer, 
didn't put up with that shit, so got like some decent stuff done. But then when he was fired, the next coach had to put up with Snyder making more moves behind his back. Yeah, he's never learned. He's done the same thing since buying the team in 1999. And like this year, they knew they were going to fire the coach. They picked a quarterback who has no relationship to the coach, and they picked that quarterback because he's born in Maryland. (laughs) Local boy. And uh, and I guess last thing we should just mention the name is a slur. The patent office in Wait, the United. <laughs> the patent office Washington? in the United <laughs> <States>. <laughs> The patent yeah, office. Fuck George Washington, man. That guy's a bitch. Yeah, the the uh, U.S. patent office actually v- uh, vacated the patent because under law you're not allowed to patent racial slurs. Yeah, which I, seems- I got something to say otherwise. <laughs> Every time Chris Rock performs, I get a little bit of it. <laughs> That's how I made my billion. Man, this is where the real secrets come it's out, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Warren Buffett, you know, That's idea. Right. You monopolize the slurs, and now you get a little piece every time anyone uses a slur. Yeah, was SNL bad for Shane Gillis? Yeah. <laughs> was it good for Joel Walkowski? You know it. <laughs> that would be like the whitest white guy you could possibly be would be yep. the private equity billionaire yep. who bought the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little taste every time you use it. Um, but so, yeah, the, the patent office vacates the, the term Redskins as a name, and then it, this gets thrown out on appeal, I think, in 2018. So a different court says, no, yeah, this is fine, and then the Supreme Court doesn't hear the case. But I think it is something where... In all decency, Snyder said, we will never change the name, but they should just vacate the patent and be like, okay, you want to use this name. You can't make any fucking money on merch because it is a slur. And, you know, most of the uh, Native Americans that Snyder has not paid say, yes, this is very offensive. Yeah. And like if you talk to a Washington fan like. He he made his money young, and they are waiting for him to die. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they've accepted like, oh, I have to wait three decades for this guy to pass on. Try to like introduce him to Gislaine Maxwell or some sort of cocaine dealer, <laughs> get him involved in the party billionaire lifestyle. Maybe they'll like do a compromise where they change the name to the like. Um, the proud and respected Native Americans and then change the logo to something way more racist than even Chief Wahoo. <laughs> yeah, Washington Natives and them just sell ads for casinos. <laughs> uh, but is there anything we didn't get to? Any final thoughts on Dan Snyder? I mean, there is a litany of player acquisition and coach acquisition that goes back decades just leading to in a bulletproof case for ineptitude. If you're reading, find that Washington Post graphic. The reading for this episode was really enjoyable. So if you liked our conversation, it's definitely a great time to kill at work to just Google Daniel Snyder articles. Because <laughs> you'll find he owns the media because you see like a slew of stuff when he when he buys it in 2010. Right. No negative stories again till 2019. <laughs> <laughs> just like you can tell when his employees are in the middle of contract negotiations. <laughs> That's when the bad stories appear. Um, Joel, but, you want to plug your stuff? Again? Yeah. Joel. Oh yeah, yeah. I ha- I am the host of Hold My Bread with the hilarious Matt Backus. We are the only comedy finance podcast. We're trying to be guests here. We're trying to make money every week, and we might have we have Wall Street insiders on. We talk to them anonymously. We correspond with Martin Shkreli. So we've got a lot of really good <laughs> stuff going on over there. Raising his commissary fund, or well, I feel like he was railroaded. <laughs> he just leaned into the character. <laughs> no, I mean that's actually what we said. Is Shkreli was the fall guy for an entire business model. 
jacking up drug prices. Absolutely. And he was just, he was not an insider, so he was punished like an outsider. Well, um, and Joel's also a very funny stand-up comedian, so we will have, you know, in the description of this episode where you can uh, find Joel. Yeah, follow me on my picks, and uh, I might do a little something when I'm down in Washington commemorating good old Dan. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thank you again, Joel, for being our first returning guest. I did it. Hopefully not our last, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you again uh, in the not-too-distant future. Thank you, Grubstakers. And with that, this has been Grubstakers. I'm Yogi Paul. I'm Andy Palmer. Steve Jeffries. I'm Sean P. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Patreon. Goodbye.